the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. You know, sometimes in in our life, uh, if we walk in disobedience to the Lord, if we rebel against the Lord, uh, he, He may give us consequences. He may send some kind of trial. He may send some kind of affliction. Now, that doesn't mean that all trials and all affliction is the judgment of God. It just means that sometimes if we walk in rebellion uh, and, and turn away from the Lord, sometimes He'll send some kind of affliction or trial into our life. In today's message, Pastor Dan will remind you that God does discipline His children. In the Bible, parents are directed to spank their children with the rod of correction. The rod drives foolishness from the heart of a child. But why would parents do this? Surely it isn't a pleasant experience for the child or the parent. The Bible tells us to discipline our children only if we love them. The same is true of our Heavenly Father. He loves us so very much that sometimes He'll send things our way to discipline us. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Jeremiah chapter 14 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. in Jeremiah chapter 14, Jeremiah 14, as we're continuing our journey through the Old Testament. Uh, We're also going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 11, uh, Deuteronomy chapter 11, and Luke chapter 19. So if you want to mark those two locations in your Bible as well, Luke 19, Deuteronomy 11, Jeremiah 14. Well, chapter 14 of Jeremiah, if you look at verse 1, It says, the word of the Lord that came to Jeremiah concerning the droughts. And so, uh, apparently, during the ministry of Jeremiah, there there was a series of droughts that struck the land of of Judah. And notice, it's droughts, plural. Uh, So, it wasn't one drought one year, it was a series of of droughts, maybe over several seasons. Uh, and Judah, the kingdom of Judah, it's, it's an agrarian economy, it's an agrarian society, and so uh, a drought would be devastating uh, to the nation. Uh, a drought in ancient Israel would be like a stock market crash today, uh, or an economic depression today. Uh, it, it ruins the economy of the nation, it ruins the landscape of the nation. It's just, I mean, it's just devastating in every way. Uh, and God warned the children of Israel before he even brought them into the promised land. He warned them 
uh, that he would send droughts upon the land if they were disobedient to his word, if they uh, rebelled against him. And I just want to show you a few verses. Uh, If you want to turn back to Deuteronomy 11 for me. Uh, Deuteronomy 11. And, you know, we've looked at this passage in Deuteronomy 11 several times before because it's such an important passage to understand uh, what was expected of the children of Israel before they came into the promised land. Uh, So Deuteronomy chapter 11. And again, this is before they enter into the land. They're about to enter the land. Uh, Verse 10. For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. So when they were slaves in Egypt, they really didn't need rain because they had the Nile River. And they created canals to irrigate their crops. Uh, and so they relied not, on, not upon God to provide rain for their crops. They relied upon their own engineering and, and their own know-how. Uh, in Egypt, and he says, this isn't going to be like Egypt, you know, where you could just dig canals and you could water it by foot. They could pedal, you know, and push water out into their fields to uh, irrigate their crops. Uh, This isn't going to be a situation where you just rely on yourself and your own ingenuity when you come into the promised land. Verse 11, but the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys which drink water from the rain of heaven. There's no no major water source in Israel. There's no Nile River there. There's the Jordan River, but it's a very small river. It it doesn't provide irrigation for crops. Uh, The land of Israel, geographically, there's a lot of mountains. There's a lot of hills. Uh, There's no way to get water from the Jordan, really, out into the fields. Uh, The Jordan River sits in a valley, in a rift. Uh, So this is a different different environment that he's taking them into. And it's an environment that's going to require them to walk by faith and trust God. This land drinks water from the rain of heaven. A land, verse 12, for which the Lord your God cares. God's going to take care of the land. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments. So here's the the deal. It shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, which I command you today, to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will give you the rain for your land in its season. The early rain and the latter rain. The early rain was at the beginning of the season. It softened the soil to make it easier to plant their crops. The latter rain came towards the end of the season. And it, uh, it, it provided moisture for the crops to give them a bumper crop. Uh, in fact, um, when they harvest some of the crops, like olives, for example, they, they wait for the latter rain even still today. They'll wait for that last rain uh, to just provide for the crops before they actually harvest the crops. Even still today, they wait upon the latter rain in Israel. The early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your new wine and your oil, 
And I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that you may eat and be filled. Take heed to your to yourselves, lest your heart be deceived and you turn aside and serve other gods and worship them. Lest the Lord's anger be aroused against you and he shut up the heavens so that there be no rain. And that uh, the land yield no produce and you perish quickly from the good land which the Lord is giving you. And so there's, this is contingent on their obedience to the Lord. If they obey the Lord's commands and they walk in his ways and they love the Lord their God and serve him with all of their heart, he will give them the rain in its season, the early rain and the latter rain. But verse 16, if they turn away from serving the Lord and serve other gods and go after other gods and worship them, he's going to send a drought. He's going to withhold the rain. Uh, and we see this repeated several times. It's, it's mentioned several times in Deuteronomy. It's mentioned in Leviticus, that it's contingent on their obedience. And that God would send a drought upon the land as, as a form of judgment for their disobedience and for their rebellion. If you go back to Jeremiah chapter 14, Judah is in a season now, or several seasons, where they've had a series of droughts in the land. And, and, it's, and it's God's judgment against them for their rebellion because they've gone after other gods. And the purpose in sending the droughts was to bring the nation to repentance, that they would turn back to God. That's why he sent the droughts upon the land, to bring them to the place of repentance. You know, sometimes in in our life, uh, if we walk in disobedience to the Lord, if we rebel against the Lord, uh, he, he may give us consequences. He may send some kind of trial. He may send some kind of affliction Now, that doesn't mean that all trials and all affliction is the judgment of God. It just means that sometimes if we walk in rebellion uh, and and turn away from the Lord, sometimes he'll send some kind of affliction or trial into our life. And the Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. And he'll send hard circumstances. He'll make our life difficult. He'll make our life hard. And he does that to bring us to repentance, to get us to turn back. Or he may send a spiritual drought into our life, a spiritual dryness, where we just go through a dry season spiritually. Uh, We have a dry time in in Bible study. Uh, Our prayer life kind of dries up, where we feel far from God. And again, the purpose of this is to bring us to repentance so that we return to the Lord. But what we see with the children of Israel and with the kingdom of Judah is, is their hearts were so hard and their necks were so stiff that they just refused to turn. Despite the consequences that God continued to send into their lives, despite the droughts and the hardship that they experienced, it didn't matter. They just continued walking in their sin and walking in their rebellion. Notice in verse 2, Judah mourns and her gates languish. The gates are where uh, the, the judges of the city 
sat. It's where the rulers of the city sat. And so the, the leadership of the cities of Judah, they languish, they mourn for the land. And the cry of Jerusalem has, has gone up so that the people are mourning, they're languishing, they're crying out, uh, but they haven't repented. They haven't repented. They feel bad about what's happening. They feel bad about the, the consequences of the drought. They feel bad about the devastation. They feel bad about the loss that they've experienced because of the droughts that have come, but they don't repent of their sin. And I want you to note that. You know, there is a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. Pastor Dan will have more to share from today's Ring of Truth study in just a moment. But right now, we'd like to invite you to worship with us this Sunday morning. Here's Pastor Dan to tell you a little more. I heard recently that many people who listen to Christian radio are not part of a local church. Hey, if that's you, I'd like for you to join us this weekend as our guest at Calvary Chapel located in Columbia, Maryland. The teachings you've enjoyed here on Ring of Truth are from messages I've shared with the congregation at Calvary Chapel. We have two meeting times on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. You can find out more and get directions at our website, calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Now let's get back to today's message on Ring of Truth. They don't have a godly sorrow that leads to repentance. They just feel sorry about the circumstances. They feel sorry about what has happened, but they are not repenting of it. Their nobles, the leaders, have sent their lads for water. They went to the cisterns. The cisterns were uh, were man-made reservoirs that were carved into the rock for collecting and holding water. They went to the cisterns and they found no water. They returned with their vessels empty. They were ashamed and confounded and covered their heads. So it says their, their vessels were empty. It wasn't that they were half empty. They were completely empty. They had no water in their cisterns. They've got no water for drinking. I mean, that, that's how severe these droughts were upon the land. There's no drinking water left for the people. It says they're ashamed. They're confounded. Uh, your translation might say desperate. They're desperate. They, they've covered their heads, it says. That's a sign of, of deep grief. Second uh, Samuel chapter 15, verse 30, if you're a note taker. When, uh, when David's son, Absalom, stole the kingdom from David, and David has to flee from Jerusalem, it says he leaves Jerusalem, and he goes up over the Mount of Olives, leaving Jerusalem, and he was weeping as he went, and it says, and his head was covered. Uh, it was a sign of, of, of deep grief uh, for David. And, and here we see the people of Judah, they're, they're, they're grieving over the devastation to the land. They're grieving over the affliction that has come upon their nation, but they did not repent of their sin. They did not call upon God for mercy. They didn't pray. They didn't turn. You know, in Joel chapter 2, verse 13, it says, rend your heart, not your garments. You know, they would rend their garments as a sign of lamentation, right, and, and grief. And there the Lord says, don't, don't rend your garments, rend your heart. This should break your heart. Right? God looks for a broken and contrite heart. Right? And here they have this, this kind of outward show 
of, of grief, but they're not rending their hearts. Their hearts aren't broken over their sin. Verse 4, look at this description from the drought. Because the ground is parched, for there was no rain in the land, plowmen were ashamed, covered their heads. Yes, the deer also gave birth in the field, but left because there was no grass. And so uh, here you have deer that abandoned their young, Because there was no food to eat. You know, a a doe, a deer, a female deer, right? They don't abandon their young. They they, they take care of their young. You've seen them around here in springtime. You've seen the newborn fawns, right? With the little spots. And the mama deer is always right there. You know, the mama deer does not abandon her baby, but what we see here, the conditions were so severe that does were abandoning their fawns at birth because there just was no, no food for them. It goes on to say in, in verse 6, And the wild donkeys stood in the desolate heights, and they, they sniffed at the wind like jackals. Their eyes failed because there was no grass. Wild donkeys are, are known for their hardiness. They, they are among the hardiest of animals, but the, the, the donkeys were unable to endure the drought. It's so severe. And what you see here is that when, when uh, God brought this discipline upon Judah through this series of droughts, uh, everything was affected by it. Everything was affected. Even, even things you would never even think would be affected by it were affected by it. You know, the, the consequences of this sin had a very, very far reach. And it impacted way beyond the scope that anyone would imagine it would impact. Not just the people of Judah, but even, even creation itself, even uh, the animals, the wild animals suffered the consequences and were impacted by the sin. And that's true. Our sin, when we sin, it not only affects us, and it not only impacts the people closest to us, quite often it has a reach far beyond what we even realize and impacts people way beyond what we realize. And at the same time, you know, repentance has the same effect. Repentance has the same effect. Our our sin has a far-reaching impact and our repentance has a far-reaching impact as well. Look at verse 7. Now here Jeremiah speaks to the Lord and he says, O Lord, though our iniquities testify against us, do it for your name's sake. Do it for your reputation. Your reputation's at stake, Lord. For our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. And Jeremiah says here essentially, Lord, you're right to discipline us. Our iniquities testify against us. Our backslidings are many. We have sinned against you. Our discipline is deserved. Then he says, Oh, the hope of Israel, his Savior in time of trouble. 
Why should you be like a stranger in the land and like a traveler who turns aside to tarry for a night? Why should you be like a man astonished, like a mighty one who cannot save? Yet you, O Lord, are in our midst and we are called by your name. Do not leave us. Jeremiah appeals to God to not be a stranger in Judah or to leave Judah. Don't abandon us because of our sin. And wouldn't it be nice if the people of Judah prayed like this, right? It's only Jeremiah who's praying like this, who's pleading with God. Don't abandon us. Don't leave us. Don't forsake us. You're right. Your your discipline is right, but please don't, don't forsake us because of our sin. Verse 10, the Lord responds to Jeremiah's plea. Thus says the Lord to this people. Thus they have loved to wander. They love to wander and go after other gods. They have not restrained their feet. Therefore, the Lord does not accept them. He will remember their iniquity now and punish their sins. God says a Judah loves to wander. They love to go after other gods. They don't hold themselves back. From sin, they have no restraint, and therefore the Lord does not accept them. You know, God desires us to be faithful. He desires us to be faithful to Him. He desires us to restrain ourselves from sin. Uh, He desires that we have self control. He gives us the Holy Spirit so that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. And as we walk in the Spirit, it says in Galatians 5, we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's a promise. We will not give in to the desires of the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That we have control over our flesh. We have control over our sin. Our sin doesn't control us. We're no longer slaves to sins. You know, Jesus Christ broke the power of sin through the cross. So we're no longer slaves to sin. The cross sets us free from the power of sin. God desires self-control. God desires that we deny our flesh. He desires that we take up our cross daily and follow him and live a life that honors him. Verse 11, then the Lord said to me, do not pray for this people for their good. Now, this is the third time that God told Jeremiah not to pray for Judah. They're they're beyond prayer at this point. Their, Their course was set. The cement has dried. You know, God is omniscient. He knows they will not repent and change. He knows they're not going to turn back. He says, don't pray. Now look at verse 12. He says, when they fast, I will not hear their cry. And when they offer burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. But I will consume them by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence. It's interesting to me that Judah, even though they've they've wandered from God and they've gone after other gods, they've forsaken the Lord, they still continued to fast. I mean, think about that. They're still they're still keeping a fast. They're still offering burnt offerings to the Lord. The burnt offering, uh, it, it uh, is symbolic of total consecration to God. That's what it represents. He 
at the book of Jeremiah at a glance, it seems like the overarching theme is judgment and negative consequence. But as you take a closer look, you're given a microscopic lens into the heart of God. Yes, there was judgment and eventual exile, but think about how long-suffering and patient God was in giving them multiple chances to repent from their ways and separate from their sin. What an amazing and hopeful picture of God's heart toward you. He is just and fair in handing out consequences to those who willfully go against what he's offering. But like a patient parent, he gives grace and mercy when you vacillate between following him and venturing elsewhere. Ultimately, God wants you to choose him wholeheartedly, and he wants to bless you. Take the book of Jeremiah as a continual reminder that God is gracious and merciful but he'll bring judgment on those who refuse his ways. If you want to talk to someone and better understand what all of this means, don't hesitate to call us at 410-491-4592. That's 410-491-4592. We're so glad you joined us today on Ring of Truth. Feel free to study this book on your own in the meantime. In our next edition, Pastor Dan will share more from the book of Jeremiah and provide a deeper understanding of how to apply it to your life here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and what I know because I know his voice and it only takes Rings true.